Well, do you want to describe, okay, describe Big Eva. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on in the last two weeks. Just off the top of your head, controversies that uh, since Shepard's Q&A that have arisen Mm -hmm. in evangelical circles. Okay, so there was Shepherd's Conference in, um, in John MacArthur's church, not far from where I live here in Southern California. And then like a week later, there was also the Lincoln Year, uh, Yearly Conference. And you had, um, at the first one, there was Albert Moeller and Ligon Duncan and Mark Dever were some of the people that were on the stage that I was more concerned about. And then at the Ligon Year one, there was also uh, Ligon Duncan was there. No association intended between Ligon Year and Ligon. But anyway, so... Yeah, you had to wonder though, but uh, yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that were concerning. One is that when Phil Johnson asked all of the people on the stage, "So tell me, are you concerned about social justice?" There was a very defensive response, and it was, it, especially from Dr. Moeller, it was, "Hey, I've been fighting against this. I'm a little offended that you you would even ask the question." And you can see the replay; if it's not been totally wiped down the memory hole, which is, I mean, it's been kind of hard to find it, but. Message me privately if you need uh, if you need a, a secret version of it. <laughs> but anyway, so so you can you can see that there's this discussion that people are not comfortable having, and there were some things that were very concerning from Ligon Duncan in in that presentation as well. And if you look at Ad Robles YouTube channel, um, Ad R O B L E S, you can see he he does a little evaluation about what's driving the bus as far as our motivations here and the. The issue is from Ligon Duncan. He was saying, we're very concerned that the upcoming generations are going to see our positions on all these issues and they're going to think this is just too much. And so let's change our position on this one issue so that they'll they'll stay with us. Right. Um, and it's, that's not a good way of determining what. Yeah, AD did is. a good job exposing what he was actually saying there. Yeah. Um, but and, and but since then, I mean, Ligon Duncan has kind of aligned himself with Sam Albury, right? The living yeah, out. Yeah, so so in the yeah in the Ligonier conference, he recommended this book from Sam Albury, which I've not read, but he also recommended a book from Kevin DeYoung. Both of them on the question of same-sex attraction, and the concern was not that he recommended this book because apparently the book's fine. The concern is, in the last several years, Sam Albury, since publishing that book in 2013, I think he has uh, he's started this website, Living Out. Mm-hmm. And he writes these things about like, what do you do if you're a same sex couple, but you become a Christian and his, his perspective is really unusual. I've never seen anything like it before. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's concerns because either Ligon Duncan doesn't know that this guy's saying these things now, or he does know, but he's still willing to endorse his book, which is a implicit endorsement mm-hmm. of the guy's personality and overall message. And um, I mean, if you look at this Sam Albury guy, he's going to be speaking at, I think, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary pretty quick. He's going to be speaking at an ERLC conference. He's going to be speaking at a Nine Marks conference. Wow. He's he's a rising star. And it's, it's almost like everybody wants to put this um, same-sex attracted gay priest as a, as a star because we, we can virtue signal. We can show... You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're willing to listen to anybody. God can speak through anybody. There was an article about it at the Gospel Coalition where it actually said, let's let's talk about rising up these people who, who God is putting into prominence to speak for the church and to the church. Right. And it was just strange. So th- those are some of the, the streams that I'm following that I'm concerned about. Yeah, I, I can't keep up with it, to be quite frank. It's just every day is a new development. Uh, I know 
I've noticed a, a lot of social justice practitioners have gotten sensitive to being called Marxist and socialist in the last two weeks, and they're trying to distance themselves from that, uh, which probably won't work. But um, there's a lot of there's a realization now that people that disagree exist, and it's because of folks uh, like the comment that I just read who are laymen in the church, uh, perhaps even big givers, but you know they've been going to the church for years and. They're not liking what they're seeing now from the pulpit. Um, and I, and I, I'm thinking of so many stories as I say this, and I, I don't want the purpose of this to be just going over the stories. Um, but yeah, I've talked to a lot of people who have been leaving their churches or finding other churches because they just can't take it. And these are patient people. Uh, they're not causing a problem. They're not causing a scene. I haven't talked to one person uh, who's critical of the social justice um, movement or concerned about it who's done this wrong at least not yet you know who's made a, a huge scene and is uh you know they usually leave quietly uh but um but it's a hard thing it's like leaving a family when you leave a church and i think there's a question sometimes as uh, when do you leave uh you know the pastor said this and it's concerning but he also says other things i'll give you an example uh, from my own life we my wife and i joined a church a couple weeks ago, and when we first went to this church a couple months ago, in the membership class, they handed us a book by Thabiti and Wibley, and it was a good book. It was a little book, but it was on being a church member, and it was endorsed by John MacArthur. And the church that I am attending, I love it. I, they're not going down the social justice path, and they just happen to have materials that you know are not um, are by people that now uh, we wouldn't consider maybe the most solid. And so uh, so I, I, I gave grace, obviously. I realized, okay, they probably don't know who this is, and you know, there's the best of intentions. They've probably been handing this book out for years, and, uh, and that was the case. You know, but if I went in there and just saw the name and said, okay, I can't be in a church where they're handing out books by Thabiti, then um, I would have missed out on the community of believers that I'm in. So th- there has to be a way to navigate this where... Um, we're, we're being humble, we're approaching uh, leadership in the correct way, but we're still being direct and taking a stand. And, um, and so I want to talk about how to do that, because uh, I think that's, that's going to be the challenge. I think we've just started. <laughs> we're not even uh, you know, skimming the surface right now as far as where this is heading. I mean, we've seen the tip of the iceberg. I think over the ne- next couple of years, we're going to see perhaps even new denominations arising out of this. I don't know if you agree with that, Cody. I do. Yeah. I think that the Southern Baptist Convention is going to split. About 50% of the churches in the SBC are going to stay with the mainstream. And among the others, there's probably going to be at least 10 new groups that just splinter off. Mm-hmm. Sad. It is. Um, I think you're right. Um, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about also if you're a student at a seminary or a Bible college. So uh, let's get into it. What are the reasons for leaving a church? I was hoping uh, AD would join us and we could get uh, up the pastoral perspective here. But I know, Cody, you have an MDiv. I have an MDiv. I grew up, my dad, um, full-time pastor, been in the same church for just about 30 years now. And uh, so I, I grew, up, grew up watching that. And, um, and, I, and I've seen a lot of uh, church squabbles, people leaving the church, sometimes wondering, that family came forever and they never said anything. What's the problem? And um, and so I might be sensitive a little bit because of my background. I, I tend to take the pastor's side in a sense, not, not that the pastor's always right, because they're not, but I tend to think, 
you at least should give the pastor an explanation and be respectful and leave on good terms because I've seen it done the wrong way so many times. Uh, right. And I'm sure you've probably in your experience have seen that as well. People just leaving in a huff um, over sometimes ridiculous uh, things. And, and when you don't tell the pastor, he won't know. And if there's something that needs to change, you're not giving him the opportunity to change that. You're not giving your brothers and sisters in that church an opportunity to maybe see a fault that lies within the congregation. Uh, you're just leaving. And, um, and that's not good. Um, so, so what are the reasons for leaving a church? Cody, what, what do you think? Uh, let, let's talk through a few reasons here. What, what's a legitimate reason for leaving? Sure. So when you are a member of a church, and especially if you're tithing to that church, then you are a ministry partner with the pastor. You've decided that you are going to help support his ministry and that you're going to put your investment, your hard-earned money, as a means of propagating a certain message. And so you better know what that pastor believes and be, and be ready to support it uh, because it only works if people have long-term trust that gets built. If, um, if, if you have a pastor whose message fundamentally contradicts the truth in scripture, as you understand it, you ought not to be supporting that. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing if you walk into the church service and there's somebody being projected on the screen, who's a big Eva star. And you think, why are they doing that? Right. Uh, it's, it's another thing altogether though, if the pastor himself is propagating a specific viewpoint that is antithetical to scripture. So as you see yourself as a ministry partner, you realize that the pastor is in ministry and you, the congregant are in ministry as well. And the, uh, the way that you ought to go about talking about it, if you sense that there's a problem is realize that discussions of what's true and false are the kind of things that ought to be happening in churches all the time. Discussions about what's true and false, especially between a congregant and a pastor. And, you know, if you're, I mean, the pastor is basically implicitly, he's asking you to support his ministry, tithe to this ministry so that you can support it. If, if you begin a conversation with a pastor, and I've done this before, right? there was a church in Medford, Oregon, that I tried to become a, a regular attender at for a while. And then I saw that he was promoting Eric Mason, the author of Woke Church oh, on man. video. So I messaged him and, and I just said, Let's talk about it. I, I think that this is a, a bad, bad thing. I mean, in the video that you showed in the church service, you had Eric Mason promoting affirmative action in this church service. Mm -hmm. And and I said, let's talk about it. I mean, I'm considering moving my family to become a member of this church, but I want to know, are you open to discussion about this topic? And the pastor wasn't. He wasn't open to discussion. Is that a healthy environment? So I, I left. You bring up something that I told, I don't know, to how many guys uh, who are in a church, and maybe it might not be the social justice issue, but it, there's another issue, and they just say, I don't know if I can submit to this leadership. There seems like there's a theological difference, and it's pretty serious, or something along those lines, but but then they'll say, yeah, but I've been here for so long, but man, I got so many connections here, but, um, but they need me. What will they do without me? I'm the Sunday school teacher, whatever the case may be. And I, I usually bring up Hebrews 13, 17, and you might think, you know, why would you bring that up? Because it says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. Now reading that verse, it sounds like, <laughs> well, you should just go along with whatever your pastor's saying. Um, but that's, that would of course contradict other concepts we see in the new Testament. So that's, you know, and this is, this is about, um, th this is about the seriousness 
of the pastoral office. They keep watch over your souls. So the question that I ask is, who do you want keeping watch over your children and your wife, if you're a man, um, because a lot of these conversations I've had with guys, but you know, who would you want keeping watch over their souls? Because this is the job of your shepherd or your shepherds. You know, if it's a biblical church with plural elders, uh, do you want someone who is going to contradict the things that you believe scripture says, keeping watch over their souls? Are they going to do a good job of it? If they can't even, uh, see the error that, um, that they're teaching themselves. So, um, I like that you just brought that up because yeah, you're right. You're, you're partnering in a financial way, but there's also this issue. Uh, what's the relationship of a sheep to a shepherd of, um, a Christian to his pastor or her pastor. So, um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it was just such an important point. I wanted to highlight that and put, you know, underline it, circle it. Um, but you so were, those are the, yeah. the two big considerations is, are you willing to endorse this person's ministry message and put your money behind it? That's one. And then the other is, are you willing to subject your family to this person's teaching? Yeah. And it, you know, so I had a choice to make, this was in Medford, Oregon, and I'm not going to name the churches, but I took my family away from a church that had a really great preacher and a really great worship program and a lot of people that were in the same stage of life as me and i said let's go to this other church because i trust this man's um this man's heart and i trust this man's faithfulness to scripture and i will tell you it was it was a different quality of preaching it was a different quality of music it was a smaller church and mm -hmm. it was it was less people that i was in the same age with and maybe connect with but i felt better about it about putting the, my, my family's spiritual care in, in this man's hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Uh, so, so I'm going to run through a, a couple things here. Um, I, I respect you for making that decision, by the way, too. That's, uh, that's a shows that you have maturity in thinking through these things. Uh, if there's a false gospel, that's obvious, right? Galatians one, seven through nine, uh, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach, let him be accursed. Um, don't go to a church if they're preaching a false gospel. Uh, if there's division being caused at the church, uh, if the, the pastor or the leaders, they, you know, they really want to cause division over issues that are not primary to the gospel, um, I think Romans sixteen seventeen addresses this. Um, uh, and so uh, th those are the, pr the primary things that I would see, um, theological differences being, I guess, the, the major one. Um, but you, you know, I, I don't make decisions about style of music and uh, all the other aesthetic things as much as I do. Um, you know, is the word being taught? Is, it, is there biblical leadership and is there church discipline that would be included in that? Are they actually practicing Matthew 18 um, at, at the church? And if you see an issue with one of those things, then yeah, you, you probably shouldn't be there. Um, so where does social justice then, this movement stack up as far as these categories of, of reasons to leave? I would say it's the gospel issue, right? Would you agree with that, Cody? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a deception across our whole country right now. Go into churches knowing that, that the deception has probably affected the people of that church. And Jacob Brunton tells me, you've got to have thick skin. Mm -hmm. Be ready to be offended every once in a while when somebody says something that you're very sure and convicted is wrong. Be ready to 
um, to not get angry about it. But, you know, the policy that I have when I am evaluating whether this is a church that I should be at is to ask myself the question, not only um, do I agree with the things that they are saying on a given Sunday morning, but also listen to what they're not saying. They want to talk about the injustice of the food industry and the agriculture industry and how Monsanto is out to kill everyone. But <laughs> but they're not able to give a clear presentation of what the gospel is. Or if they don't seem to know their Bible very well, then that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a priority issue. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I've seen. You know, these churches with great doctrinal statements, and then when do they ever talk about the great things in their statements? Um, my wife and I have certainly been through that. So, all right. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, you're, you're in a position, right? Hypothetically, let's say, and you're going to approach a pastor. Have you been, have you been there before? Um, Cody, where you, you had to, um, I mean, well, you kind of described something similar to that, I guess, but, but you've been in these positions. It sounds like where you kind of didn't get too far in, but what if you're like eight years in this church, 18 years, and, you know, a new pastor comes in or, or the old pastor, he's been reading Gospel Coalition stuff. And now he's, you know, talking about what, uh, what they're talking about. How do you approach your pastor when there is a disagreement there? That's what I want to talk about now. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, it really depends on what the disagreement is. Okay. So you're, let me give you a hypothetical. The, the pastor does what we said in the beginning. Uh, it's horrible to live in America because we're all so racist. He, he scolds the church for their white privilege and uh, says that we need to be more loving. And, and and that's, you know, a sermon based off of that, let's say, or, or a big chunk of a sermon is devoted to this topic. And it doesn't have anything to do with the, the biblical text or, you know, they're cramming these categories into texts that can't sustain them. Uh, you're concerned. What do you do? You so, go ahead. Three three options come to mind. One is confront the pastor. Two is hightail it out of there, never come back. And three is to attempt to split the church. That's basically what you have available to you. Yeah. So I would make the decision based partly on how long I'd been at the church. If I'm visiting the church, well, I just leave. It's that easy. I'm not going to confront the pastor if he's saying that junk. There's not a chance he's going to change his mind on that. I might send him an email and say, I visited. I saw that you teach these things. I left because I'm biblically faithful and you need to repent. Mm -hmm. But uh, if if the pastor is that far gone, then that leaves the remaining things to leave or to try to tell other people. If I had been at the church for a long time and I trusted the people and I thought that I could politically uh, convince key elders or people in position of influence that this is not okay, I might do it. Um, but now if I were at the church for a long time and I thought that these positions, uh, these people in key positions of influence were pretty much also not going to listen to me, then I'd have a couple of options. One would be to leave quietly and the other would be to leave having explained why. And I think that both of those are morally acceptable choices. I think that a lot of people are so afraid of being the divisive one that they would not say, let's have a discussion about this issue. And hey, friends, I want you to know why I'm leaving. But the thing is, if you had a friend at your church that said after 20 years, friends, this is why I'm leaving. I care about you so much that I didn't want to leave without telling you why. Here's something that I've changed my perspective on or that perhaps this church has changed, but I stayed the same. Here's why 
I, I think it's time for me to, to find another church and it's a matter of my conscience. And I want you to know, it's not a rejection of you as people. In fact, if I just, if I had made the decision only based on how much connection I have to you and how much I love you, I would have stayed. But I'm also, I, I think I have to report to God ultimately. And this is what my conscience is telling me. Some of you may understand. Some of you may totally disagree, but I'm going to respect you enough to tell you what I believe. Yeah. That's, that's good. courageous, but hardly anybody will ever do that. That no, you're absolutely right. That's that's really good. Uh, it, it does seem like that's rare. You know, I don't. There's not a lot of real men out there. I mean, this is we're, we're talking about the group that actually has the discernment to see these things, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, I, I think of the verse First uh, Chronicles twelve, where it says um, of the sons of Issachar, there were men who understood their times, and they knew what Israel should do, and yeah. so we're talking about this little group <laughs> that understands. And of that group, there's hesitancy to really yeah. confront, it. and it is scary. I mean, it's church is like a family. Sometimes you're really connected. Your kids, that's the their friends that they play with. You know, the mom's group. You know, they're they're friends with your your wife if you're um, a man making this decision and trying to lead your family. You know, what what, what do you say? And I've always thought. For, I like to take the the blueprint from Galatians two eleven through fourteen, where Paul. Uh, goes to to Peter and confronts him about really what was the Judaizer heresy and uh, and and he does it to his face um, and so so he's not uh, you see Paul's a man about it um, he's he, he's being very direct because he's doing it to his face he's not um, sniping him with an anonymous email I've seen that before or something along those lines he he's uh, you know being a, a true friend I think as well. And, and he's not sugarcoating anything. Um, he, he's telling Peter exactly what the issue is. And so that's, I mean, it's simple, but it's hard. And, and that's what I've always thought um, is the correct approach. Um, there are, are times, uh, perhaps, you know, depending on how involved you are, how long you've been going to the church, where maybe you don't need to do that. But I'm talking about the guy who's been there for know 18 years or or you know even a few years but they're involved um you really ought to let the pastor know because or, or the, the leadership team because they need to know that you're leaving because of error that they are um allowing to take place uh, or or promoting uh, if they don't know that then they can't change that um, so God may be the tool, just like God, you know, God used Paul to confront Peter, and Peter repented. He, you may be the tool, even if it seems impossible, to promote some kind of a repentance, and that would be the best outcome. Obviously, uh, maybe yeah. you won't even need to leave, right? Um, so, so I would encourage that first. Um, there is one of the uh, comments I'm, I'm trying to uh, go through them as we're making this video, and I can't uh, read all of them. Um, but but I saw someone earlier talk about leaving Summit Church and that the leadership wouldn't um, really they they weren't listening to what this person was saying and uh, and I know that I have uh, someone that's been emailing me from inside Summit Church who uh, is involved there and he's been trying to do the same thing and I encourage you know talk to the leadership team and that's they're getting shut down so here's the next question. If repentance doesn't happen, if, you know, you can't even get a dialogue going without being, you know, maybe you're listened to, but it's not heated, you're shut down, what's the next step? Um, do, you know, I, I, we, we kind of already touched on this, but, but, but leadership is just saying, absolutely not. We are going to go full throttle social justice movement. What do you think? 
would be would be the wise thing at that point because i know some people in this situation right now yeah well i tried to get him fired <laughs> so you, the pastor fired yeah i'd invite every influential person in the church to my house and i'd say we need to fire this person and i'm planning to stick it out until either he's gone or i'm gone yeah yeah and you're not being uh sneaky about it you're not nope. behind the pastor's back. We're going to do that. You, you're, you're first, I just want to emphasize that you're first going to the person. And, and this is a Matthew 18 thing. This is, um, you know, two or three witnesses I would, is the next step. Yep. Go to your pastor or your, the leadership that's in error with more than one person. Um, mm -hmm. Try to talk to other members of leadership to do that. Um, be concerned um, about And it. when you're doing it, make sure that it's totally clear to the pastor I am in the middle of exercising church discipline. I'm yeah. not here for a casual conversation. I'm here to confront you on your error. And if you say no, if you say you're not interested, you don't have time, I'm coming back with a second witness and then I will bring an army. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the issue is not him fearing you, but fearing God, obviously. And and so you want to be concerned. These pastors don't fear God. Yeah, well, I some of them don't. Now, there are definitely, um, definitely a lot in that category, but there are some too that I think are deceived. They've been just yeah. reading Gospel Coalition blogs. They've been parroting yeah. whatever Tim Keller says. And hopefully ignorance can be corrected, right? Ignorance uh, can be dealt with, but not flagrant um, disobedience to what Scripture says about concepts like justice and repentance. And I mean, that's mm -hmm. where the issue comes in, and that's where you have to go outside. Right. Of, if you have so. a pastor that's promoting social justice, his knowledge and understanding of Scripture has to be so infantile yeah i would agree with you he there. cannot have read leviticus in the last 10 years yeah <laughs> i think that's one of the problems we, we don't read those old testament passages quite so much uh, in broader evangelicalism so when it comes right. to concepts like that you know we're just lost and yeah. a lot of pastors who go through seminary training listen i went through seminary training cody you went to um southern i went to southeastern we both have mdivs from these institutions and uh, man i'll tell you what it scares me to death some of the classmates that i have I, I i remember going home at night sometimes and going to my wife and being like i cannot believe some of these people are going into churches um yeah. and, and and you know i was just meeting with some folks the other day i can't give any more information about it than that but uh you know they they are um committed to the gospel they they see this thing for what it is and um and, and they're in uh, a hard spot uh and 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 they're in biblical education and uh and so a couple of them were saying to me we've had to learn theology by going outside of our seminary seminary courses we were getting older books and we're reading those books great you know puritan classics and mm -hmm. um, we're teaching ourselves hermeneutics because they're not teaching it and, and, th and this kind of thing it scares me to death because you know that this is a small minority of students who are actually going to take that initiative um, but, uh, th that's the situation right now. And so just because you're a layman that studies your Bible and reads it faithfully, uh, it, and, and that's it, that doesn't mean that you're not equipped to do this. You may actually know more about the scripture from the pastor. Cause if he went to seminary, it's very possible that he has not learned to actually do the, the given the tools to do the hard task of getting into scripture and interpreting it. Uh, so um, just an encouragement to laymen out there, you know. John, I want to ask you about yep. the cause of this whole trend and your your thoughts on how we got here and what had to have happened to get this far 
out of whack. And it, my theory on it is that generally speaking, um, the people that understand the Bible pretty well, they had a hard time even imagining that such a deception could take place. And, and, and to some degree, they've just stayed quiet because they're thinking it can't be that bad. I, I can't believe that he would really think all of those things. He's, he's he'll see the light and yeah. just not, not realizing what a problem it was for a long period of time. And then by the time you wait too long, they're bold and, yeah. and they've won the social, the social proof issue and there's this social proof thing where it, within evangelicalism, it's, it's this kind of like, we need to make sure that we're all in the, in the same flock together and that we all look to the same leaders and same authorities. And where does, where does authority come from? So it makes me think of the Protestant reformation, Martin Luther. Yeah. Like, like that whole, that whole battle was not only about uh, the order of salvation and the role of works within salvation. It was also a battle about where does authority lie? Because uh, the church had already declared this is the answer. And so for Martin Luther to say, you're wrong, they they didn't just take issue with his conclusion, but also with his method. They wanted to say, uh, excuse us? We are the authority. Yeah. The, the, the teaching comes from the church. So uh, Protestants have been in this position for hundreds of years now of having to uh, to be the priests each person, the priesthood of the believers, yes. the, the, each person is responsible to know what the Bible says. And we put people as pastors over us who we decide are trustworthy. Right. And that's, uh, th that can be difficult. And, uh, and now one of the things that's formed in order to, to be an answer to that problem is big Eva, <laughs> the, the, the conference stars, the people that sell books, the Christian publishing industry, the seminary professors, especially the ones that actually go and, you know, that, that are well known around the country. Right. That is social proof. It's one alternative to the old Catholic perspective of the authority rests in the church. Well, now the authority rests in the ERLC and in whatever else. Uh, what, so how, that's how we got there. I think is we, we were not watching out. We were being sheep. We were not, we were being second handed in our thinking rather than in, independent in our thinking. And, um, and, and people were silent for too long. We got way too far. We got this comment from one, one of my favorite people in the world that said, um, have you ever thought how good it would have been to have somebody warning about this social justice stuff like four or five years ago? That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, or, or 10 years. You know, it's funny. I was um, like four years ago, I would say, uh, I remember talking to a classmate at Southeastern and I said, this is Marxist theory. He kind of looked at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, it, it's Marx. And no one had said this yet. I hadn't heard it from anywhere. And, uh, and it wasn't until MLK 50 and now the Shepherds Conference thing that some people are starting to wake up to it. And, and I'm excited about that. But, um, but this has been known for longer than that because it's been kind of percolating in seminaries and, uh, and parachurch organizations. And, and for me, so, so you were asking kind of like what, what gave rise to this? Where did this come from? How did these people get into the positions that they're in? I mean, there's, I think there's more than one stream. History usually works like that. There's, it's not just one thing, but I, I think if we went back to second great awakening, so we're going to, this is one stream, I think, uh, you know, Charles Finney, what he was doing with, uh, really, really more of an emotional, but, but it's not just emotions. Emotions aren't the enemy. It, it was a new way of doing evangelism and doing church focused on the unbeliever. And we, we've seen that kind of 
to you know through the years come to our current time where the seeker sensitivity emergent church and now we have this and, and this is really no different as far as motivation let's get uh the younger people in here that are anti-trump let's get people that um are not the traditional if we're talking about southern baptist the southern baptist uh you know stereotypical white southern person we, we want people that are outside of um that ethnicity and that region and and so it's there's this effort to kind of grow and make this big tent but we're going to play to the concerns of the world in order to do it and and so um i saw youth culture on the rise at southeastern i mean the music just kept getting louder and more um you know just charismatic influence i i saw coming in and uh and so that's one stream i think another stream uh is there seem evangelicals for the last like 30 years, 40 years. Um, I, I have a theory that they've been kind of apolitical. They're, they're, they do their thing. They live their life. They go to church. Uh, but they're not necessarily, they, they weren't part of like National Review or, you know, the conservative movement. You know, those are mainly Catholics and um, libertarian thinkers. And, and it just wasn't really something that evangelicals were involved in as much. And I think the first person to really mobilize that or group of people would have been the religious right, moral majority. And there, there seemed to be a reaction against that with younger people. They get resented the fact that their parents were on the media and told, they, they were told that their parents were racist and bigots and these horrible things. And they didn't want to be politically involved. And I remember 10 years ago, that seemed to be more the drift was we shouldn't be politically involved, you know. I don't know how many times I heard, well, the gospel is not politics. And it's not, obviously, but um, there there was this resentment about the moral majority. That, that wasn't good. We shouldn't have done that. Yep. And and now we're like, the, the pendulum has swung. So now we're all about now. Now we have to engage culture. But now we're not using biblical principles to do it. Uh, so there, I think a lot of things kind of came together to form the perfect storm for what we're seeing now. Uh, but they want to rebrand conservatism to fit uh, into the social justice mold. They don't want to be, they want to make alliances with the media. They don't want to be called bigots anymore. And um, the gospel has been lost in this. Uh, I think the Great Commission has been lost because the Great Commission is not compatible with social justice. And, uh, and biblical justice has been thrown out. Um, you know, I was excited in the beginning of this whole let's engage culture thing. I was like, oh, that, that'd be great. Like we should be doing some things and maybe we'll get back to some biblical principles on that. And it wasn't biblical principles, you know, it was a Trojan horse. And so, so now we have a generation of seminarians who are coming into churches who don't have a Christian ethic, who, um, many of them, and they're going to try to conform the church to the social organization, it's com- it's community organization is what it is, and they're they're trying to be a force for good in the world, but they're not trying to look at the eternal things, which is really what the church should be focused more on, and uh, and so there's this mission drift, and and what they say sounds really really good, and and that's the thing that it it, it sounds so good to the ear, like we're going to be compassionate, we're going to help people, we're going to the downtrodden and the impressed. We're going to do things to help them. And, uh, and you can be part of it. You're going to be part of this big thing. And that really appeals to someone who's idealistic and, uh, maybe has been burnt out on church 
you know, infighting and just the years of, of, uh, um, worship wars and everything else like we're going to unite around it's not the gospel but this really good thing that everyone's going to just cheer us for in the world and and that's kind of i think how we got to where we are in a brief nutshell um i mean i could go on all day probably talking about the different moving parts but um it's infecting all denominations and uh and so um if, if you're on a seminary campus let's say uh let's talk um strategy for a minute this is what you would do at a church we just talked about. You need to confront your pastor, your leadership team. Uh, you need to to fight this as much as you can. And if you're just not in a position where you can do that, you do need to leave. You, you don't want to subject your children to the authority of men who are not going to be leading them biblically. It's just simple. But let's say you're in a seminary or an institution. I've been asked this question. Uh, should we stay and fight? Should we keep our head down and get our degree, or should we leave? And if so, what seminaries should we go to? Uh, Cody, any thoughts on that? So I went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Lowell, Louisville. Lowville. Lowell. Laugh out loudville. And uh, it was it was a really great experience for me because I was studying music. I actually don't have an MDiv. I have an MA. Um, and I um, I loved my professors. And I really enjoyed all of my classes. Uh, there was only a few troubling signs at that time. And it was mostly be- the troubling thing for me was I tried to start conversations and people were just like a brick wall about these topics. It was like, eh, you don't know about that, dude. That's politics. But uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know how much SPDS has changed since I graduated in, you know, five years ago. And I mean, every every person that's interested in going to ministry has to make this decision based on their own convictions and based on who they trust personally and what that person is telling them about the seminary. I went to SPDS because a pastor was listening to Moeller and saying he really appreciated Moeller's perspective. And I trusted this pastor, the pastor trusted Moeller, and there we go. That's so I got there. And the fact is almost everything Moeller's ever said, I agree with. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, that was a, that was a good decision, but, uh, I don't know personally the landscape, you know, among like RTS or, or Westminster. I don't know the landscape of, uh, I mean, I get the impression that Southwestern is a pretty good school. Uh, Jacob Brunton went there. He liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and there's, there's a lot of really solid, like even people that would agree with me on almost everything that we're talking about there. I, I, I think you have to make the decision based on what your goals are. Yeah. 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 Um, I, so I was talking to someone recently who goes to a Southern Baptist seminary and they were asking me, should I stay? Should I, what should I do? And I'm like, well, you have to make that decision individually. Obviously Um, you're here to learn the word of God, how to uh, interpret it, how to preach it. And you, you do have to realize that unless you have some kind of a church that wants you when you're done, you're going to be limited in some ways by the kind of churches that are connected to that seminary. So if you don't want to be in a Southern Baptist church, you shouldn't be going to a Southern Baptist seminary. That goes without saying. Uh, but, uh, but this particular individual said, you know, if the Lord wants me here to fight the social justice movement, then I'll stay. And I said, well, you know, I don't know that that's the primary reason to go to seminary, but yeah, if, if that's the case, then if, if you feel called to that, then, you know, that's your call. 
um, go for it. Uh, I, I tried to point him in a direction because uh, he asked me if, what other seminaries if I wanted to. And I said, well, you know, uh, my information is limited. And, and the reason for that is because things are changing every single day. I can't keep track of which seminaries are good and bad, but um, but I, here are a few things I do know. Masters, seminary, not going down that path. Um, Shepherds, seminary in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, not going down that path. Uh, Expositors Seminary, which uh, the church that I'm going to now has an Expositors Seminary campus, and I caught the vision. I believe what they're doing is really good, having a local church there, and you're doing ministry as you're doing seminary. They're not concerned about accreditation, and they're forming a model, which is going to be really important because um, actually someone had just commented, and they kind of they took the, the words right out of my mouth. They said, I think the trend is going to be individual churches training up pastors uh, for uh, I guess that's F. Repar is who posted that, um, and and that's I think exactly right. Accreditation and and all of that, that that's going away eventually as we become more secular. Seminaries are not going to be having accreditation agencies that are from the world at least giving them a stamp of approval anyway, and the church is going to have to be the intellectual powerhouse. They're going to have, and this is really the way it should be. It should be the church training primarily, and so shepherds or not shepherds. Um, Expositors is is trying to do that. Um, I think RTS in uh, there's different RTSs, but the one that's in Charlotte, I believe, has Michael Kruger. I think is in charge of that one, and I would think I'm guessing here. I think that one would probably be okay. Uh, but but you know, there's there's a, someone uh, pulpit and pen actually just uh, commented. Polemics Ministries United it says uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, SCBTS Westminster Philadelphia. I can't pronounce that one. Oshida Baptist University. I guess they're not not great ones. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's a long list of seminaries that aren't good. Um, but I'm trying to come up with Greenville Presbyterian. Someone just brought up. I've heard good things about that one. Um, and, and so, so there are some seminaries out there. You need to do your homework, though. You can't just go in and expect that um, because I said it or someone else said they're good that they still are going to be good in a year from now. I don't know. <laughs> um, I would think masters would be pretty solid, right? Uh, but like so many people that we've trusted over time have been caving to things. And so um, you, you do need to try to do some homework on that if you're going to transfer. Uh, so uh, any thoughts on that, Cody? So it really does depend on what your aim is. Uh, you're going to pick up some ideas and have to process through ideas if you go to a school that you totally disagree with. But I want to point out that uh, Ben Shapiro, the political writer i think he went to yale or harvard or something like he has and he has a law degree something like that i don't remember which school it was but the point is he knows their way of thinking and he knows it as well as they do and that's yeah. not always a bad thing yeah yeah you it can depends I, on if you're going to be a polemicist I, i've learned so much in my experience be opposing this stuff because i had to learn in the trenches so to speak and now I know a lot about the current issue that's facing the church. And that's what's made me able to speak about it on this podcast. So I wouldn't have had that if I didn't you know, muscle through it at Southeastern. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are some perks to it for sure. You, you also went to a secular college and I did as well. Yes, a few of them. And yeah. so th this is something we need to be aware of is that if somebody went to Christian school all their life and they went to point. Christian college and then they went to seminary, uh, th these ideas they would immediately think, oh, this is what my professor at seminary is teaching me. This is 
coming from the church. Yep. And, but if you went to a secular school, like I went to a very liberal school in Northern California and uh, I realized when I hear, when I hear social justice stuff, it's just, Oh, well, I've been taught this junk all my life and I've known it was wrong all my life. Yes. Good. Very good point. I mean, it starts with parents training their kids and, you know, before even going to a public school of any kind, whether that whether you're homeschooled and you're going to college or high school, knowing where you stand first helps inoculate you against this for sure. Um, so, and, and that gives us some grace to the people that are taken in to realize yes, they just yes. didn't have the same experience we did. How would they come to the same conclusion? So I want to uh, switch gears a little bit now and talk about strategy. And so this is what some people have been waiting, I think, this entire live stream for. But, okay, so you're in a school, you're in a church, and you are ready to take the next step. You're going to either, you're going to confront, if you're in the church, you're going to confront. If you're in the school, you know, I should probably mention this, we didn't say confront. Maybe there's situations where, I mean, I raised my hand in class at times because I was thinking of the other students who might not realize what they were just told. But in general, um, it's a different dynamic in a school. You know, it's not, uh, they're, they're not necessarily shepherds who are overseeing your souls. Um, it's, it, you, you don't, I mean, you should practice Matthew 18 no matter what, if you have a group of Christians, right? You should try to do that. But it gets more tricky in a school environment. You're endorsing the school on some level, or at least you're allowing their message to be um given to you and you're going to be a representative of them once you get your degree, right? So schools kind of stand where schools stand. Schools are funded though. And that's really where the accountability lies with the local church is churches that are funding them. If you're in a Southern Baptist school, there is Southern Baptist money coming in to fund that school. In fact, uh, half your tuition, if you're a member of the Southern Baptist convention, which I never got this discount, but would be paid for. Uh, so yeah, isn't that nice? <laughs> I, I never took it, but I, I it really, it hurt me being against the social justice stuff because I, I could have gone to a church and uh, gotten that discount, but I never did. And the Lord provided, and I've seen the Lord provide every step of the way, all the fears that I had about, oh man, if I take a stand against this here, then I'm, I'm not going to get an opportunity or something. It's, it's always worked. Uh, the Lord's always worked it out somehow. And there have been sacrifices, but, um, but uh, you know, I'm, I, I can sleep you know, with a clear conscience. So, um, but anyways, uh, let's get back to the strategy. So the strategy, let's talk about church first. If you're at a church, um, follow Matthew 18. That's, that's the blueprint, uh, confront, um, when you get to that third stage, uh, make sure that there are others talk to others, um, make sure that you have the support and, uh, of others that can uh, hold the pastor accountable, right? In a seminary, it's going to be a little different. And this is the advice that I'm giving. I, I, I know of a seminary where there is a movement going on right now against the social justice uh, stuff. And um, I, I would suspect that this is happening on other seminaries, but I can't verify that. I know about one seminary. There needs to be a movement on all the seminaries. Uh, because there are people that disagree with it on all the seminaries, even if it's just students. And, and here's the blueprint that I want to put forward. This is the strategy. So find a like-minded professor if you can. That's the first thing. Or a group of professors. Um, they may not agree with you as far as um, being vocal about 
you know, they, they may want to protect you from the administration or whatever. Um, but that's one of the benefits that I had when I was at Southeastern. I was able to find a like-minded professor that I could talk to about this stuff. And I didn't feel alone all the time. And I wasn't crazy. Um, because the strategy of the left is to make you feel isolated and crazy. That you are the only one that thinks these things. And, um, and I certainly felt that pressure very strongly. And, uh, and so I found a professor that was like-minded, um, step two, the next thing was find like-minded students. If you can, I didn't do as well in this category. There was a few students I could talk to. Uh, but, um, if, if it's hard because you, you have to be vocal on some level, you have to say something, but my, my hunch is there are those you could talk to online about this. who might go to the school as well. Uh, that there are ways of getting around being as vocal as perhaps you would be, you know, if you're afraid to be vocal as you have to, um, try to find people that agree with you, uh, form a chat group, form a Facebook group, form like a secret Facebook group. If you're going to do that, uh, you know, have a texting group going on where you can encourage each other, meet together. Um, the group that I'm talking about, um, has some of those things and they're able to locate each other, uh, cause they, uh, were, fans of some, they had some mutual common interests and we're able to kind of connect that way. Uh, so, so start that if, and, and here's what I'm going to say, if you're watching this and you're someone like that and you say, I don't know anyone at my seminary message me because I get all sorts of messages. Cody gets messages. Um, I guess AD is not going to be joining us today, but, uh, we'll let him know too. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll funnel those messages and we can help make some of those connections. Uh, it'll be a great encouragement to you, even if that's all it is. That's really important, um, I think, as you're going through this. Um, and any, there's a few other things I, I want to say, but any thoughts uh, when, when you hear um, what I'm saying, Cody? I really like that. There yeah. is a unique opportunity with Facebook, especially Facebook groups. And if you connect with somebody that's saying things that you like, ask them who they know that also talks that way. And yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult if you're just in a crowd in, on, on campus yeah, to, to just, you can't just look at somebody and say, Oh, that person looks like they believe the things I believe. Um, yes. And the other thing is if people are at seminary, they're probably not mouthing off their beliefs on Facebook all the time because they're probably working for a church and they don't want to represent the church as having that position necessarily. I mean, so I was a lot more quiet, um, especially when I was at seminary. And then mm. after I got out, I started being more vocal, but Find somebody who is, who's written a book that you like and talk to that person or somebody who's saying things that you like and talk to that person. Yeah. That's also the benefit of finding a professor. They may be able to connect you uh, with mm -hmm. other folks that agree with what you're saying and you can have a little group there. Um, so third thing after finding a like-minded professor, finding students, uh, be strategic about it, but where you can speak up, speak up. So raise your hand in class, ask good questions, learn to ask really good questions that don't necessarily give away everything that you believe, but that that at least challenge what's going on. Um, here's, <laughs> you'll like this one, Cody. Record everything. That was my fourth point. Record everything. And this is why I say that, especially if you're in a Southern Baptist institution, I would wager about 70%, maybe 80% of Southern Baptists have no clue what's going on in their seminaries. They think that they're training according to biblical standards, and it's just, you know, great pastors are coming out of these institutions. They don't know that social justice, neo-Marxism uh, are alive and well. So to get that information out, record it. Um, 
whether that's video recording, if you can't be obvious, you know, audio recording uh, of an event, perhaps um, take pictures of flyers and things you see on campus. And, you know, you know, you can send it to me, uh, you can send it to Cody, there, there's places that you can go to get that information out, and it won't be traced back to you. But, um, but get it out for the benefit of those funding these institutions. Uh, they, they don't know what's going on, and they need to, because it's dishonest. Uh, and then stay focused is my fifth uh, piece of advice. Stay focused while you're in seminary. Don't get way too off track with fighting the social justice stuff. You're there to learn. You're there to um, become a good expositor of God's word and an interpreter of God's word. Uh, fight it, yes, uh, but you want to make sure that your priorities stay in place. So know why you're there. And if that's why you're there, then by all means, <laughs> you know, make that your main priority. But uh, but if you're there to learn, you know, make sure that you're you're learning still. Uh, and that, of course, may influence you to go to a different seminary. If you are in the church, uh, this is where I want to announce what you're doing, Cody. Um, we are, we, it was launched today, right, Cody? The website that I'm about to reference uh, for on Facebook, the, the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, Facebook group. Yeah, enemies, was it enemies within the church? It's facebook.com slash groups slash enemies within. Okay, so go there and join that group. And the reason that we've created this group, Cody created it, um, is because there are a lot of groups out there that are fighting this stuff, but we wanted a group, kind of like an interdenominational group for just people who are in churches going through this right now for support, to share resources, uh, to ask good questions, because sometimes you, you think something sounds wrong, you don't know why, you can ask a question in this group and then someone else can comment and maybe give uh, some advice on why it might be off or wrong. Um, so yeah, let go go there one more time, Cody. What was the uh, URL for that? It's facebook.com slash groups slash enemies within. Okay. All right, Cody, any uh, last thoughts? Another strategy that's related to this uh, connecting with people is there, there are going to be resources coming up. There's going to be a counter movement. And one of the resources is going to be a, a list of safe churches. So if you oh, get yes. in that Facebook group, then you'll have access to that, but that's going to be just throughout the country. We're going to be talking to people. What do you believe? What do you teach at your church? And there will be a list of the churches of whether it's reformed or not reformed, but whatever Bible believing churches in all areas of the country that you should consider first if you're looking for a new church. Yeah, good point. I, I forgot to mention that. I know um, Enemies Within the Church, the documentary, they're trying to come up with a list uh, when the movie launches because they want to launch mm -hmm. a movement and have that be part of it. But yeah, I'm thinking right now, like Raleigh, North Carolina, where my wife and I were, there are three churches that I can think of now that, and one of them I believe is Southern Baptist, maybe two of them, uh, that are not going along with social justice. And uh, I'm just, I'm learning this because of talking to people um, since I put out my video. And uh, so th those connections are already being made and there will be a list of some kind coming out uh, to help people who are leaving and they're looking for another church in their community. And so we're, we're so glad for what they're doing. Uh, if you haven't funded, uh, given a donation to um, enemies within the church, I would encourage doing that uh, because I, th I think they've got something there. I think... If something's going to really launch this thing, I think their documentary is, is a good candidate for that, for sure.
of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.